Okay, well. Turn with me in your Bibles, would you, to Matthew? Matthew chapter 2. And if you're using a Bible in the pews, it's page 807. I hope. I think that's the right page number. It's the very beginning of the Gospel. Or the very beginning, excuse me, of the New Testament. And it's in the first part of the Gospel of Matthew. Um, So we've been looking at the Christmas story the last few weeks. And we've been focusing primarily on the story that we see in Luke because there's so much good stuff in there. There's the, uh, the angel coming to Mary. We got Mary and, and, and her cousin um, Elizabeth meeting together and interacting. Um, we, we hear these songs, the song of Mary, and, and that's, a, that's a, a, a great uh, passage to look at. Um, reminds us of the Old Testament um, songs uh, when people, when something big would happen in their lives, when God would do something in their lives, and they would they would respond to that, and they would sing His praises, and they would they'd reflect on what God had done. Um, we saw the birth of Jesus. We saw the shepherds and the angels' announcement to the shepherds, and how the the shepherds came and they found the baby lying in a manger. We saw that iconic. That iconic Christmas imagery, right? Well, today we look at another story that's very familiar. Um, So familiar, almost almost as, uh, probably equally as familiar as the story of the shepherds and and Bethlehem and the manger, um, that that it's so familiar that we, we skip over it. We go, well, we've, we've seen that before. We've heard that message. We've read that story before. And, and how lovely these, these wise men, um, magi, um, three king, we three kings, right? That's the song we, we sing. We didn't sing it this year. I don't know why. But um, we, we sing about we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We traveled so far or traversed afar. And we, we hear that story, and it's so familiar to us that we miss, I think, the heart of that message that's in Matthew chapter 2. And it's an invitation. It comes to us, I think, as an invitation. Come and worship. Come and worship. So we're going to, um, we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to focus on that. And we're going to see what it means that we come and worship Jesus. So um, before we do that, let me read this passage to you. So follow along with me in your Bibles as I read aloud. Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray. Father, God, I, I pray that as we um, look at this passage this morning and, and, as, I, and I, as I speak and uh, try to bring understanding um, to this passage to our own hearts and lives, God, I pray that you will, um, you will be the one speaking to us. God, I pray that you will give us understanding and that you will use this word to transform our lives, to transform our hearts, and to uh, create in us the kind of worshipers um, that uh, give you the worth that you are deserving. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, imagine, um, imagine a group of men who have spent their entire lives seeking and searching and studying. They have, they have devoted their entire energy to, um, to essentially one thing, and that is to pursue knowledge of the world, to pursue knowledge of, uh, of uh, I, I guess you could say, um, meaning. <laughs> um, maybe these wise men, um, these uh, the Greek is magoi, so we, th- we often call them magi. Um, these magi are this special class of people. They're, they're kind of like um, scientists, philosophers, um, uh, theologians, possibly, um, priests. Uh, they're kind of all of that wrapped up into one. They spend their whole life seeking and searching out things, trying to understand great things. Um, they studied the stars. Um, we know that because we, um, well, here they, they talk about seeing a star and following it. Um, history tells us that these magi um, were, were uh, like kind of modern-day astrologers, <laughs> if you will. Pagan astrologers. They're looking to the stars to find meaning to life. They're looking to the stars for omens, for what do the stars say might happen in the future. And um, one star that they were looking for was the star of Judah. I don't know if you remember the story uh, all the way back to the book of Numbers. Do you remember the story of Balaam? Balaam was a prophet and he lived in pre-Israel, I guess you put it that way, in the land of Moab. And the, uh, the king of Moab, um, Balak, he said, 
boy, the people of Israel are great and numerous and they just came out of Egypt and they just came out of the desert and now they're coming through my land and I don't like it. Let me hire Balaam. He's known for cursing and blessing. I'll hire him to curse the people. And what does Balaam do? He comes and says, well, I can only do what the Lord tells me. And so the Lord tells him to bless Israel. And so he blesses Israel. And one of the things he says is that out of Judah will come, or out of Judah, there will be a star out, coming out of Judah. And, um, and so this, this story of, of a star and coming out of Judah um, must have been known to these wise men, to these magi. And I, I got to thinking about it this, this week. How in the world would they have thought to look for a Jewish Messiah? They came from the east, probably from Babylon or, or maybe even from Persia, from this, from this land that was once very, very great, but, but at the time of the Romans the time of the first century, uh, uh, turn of the first century, uh, the, the East was, was um, little known, um, little concerned. Um, Rome had conquered it. Uh, Alexander the Great had conquered it many years before. And it was just kind of there. And so it was kind of living off of its tradition, living off of its history. Where would they have heard about this Jewish Messiah? and a star that was going to come out of Judah. And then you think about, and I thought about, well, the story of, of Daniel. Didn't Daniel and, and, and many of the young men, the, the great thinkers, the, the, the up-and-coming um, uh, leaders of Israel, didn't they get taken into captivity? Didn't they... Um, didn't they go to Babylon and then they kind of got scattered all throughout the east? Um, and didn't they, didn't they continue to worship God and to share the scriptures? And, and didn't Daniel and his three friends actually become included in that group of, of magicians and, and um, uh, fortune tellers and... And that actually the Greek word in the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament is Magi? Didn't they come from, didn't they kind of get grouped into that group? I wonder, I wonder where the Magi heard about the story of a Messiah, of a king coming out of the Jews and a star. And so the Magi traveled. The Magi sought. They sought out the king of the Jews. And what they did was they came to worship. Look at verse 2. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. If you're following along um, on the back of the, of the handout this morning, you can see in a a little outline there. Come and worship Jesus by, first of all, going. By going. The Magi didn't stay in probably their comfortable homes. 
probably well-respected, influential people in their, in their country, in the East, um, probably had means because they were able to get, to, to get up and make probably what would have been about a 40-day, a if not more, journey, um, probably riding camels or, or horses or donkeys, or depending on where they came, they might have had different kinds of animals to travel on. Probably not just three of them, although we see that they, they, they gave three gifts, and so the tradition you know, came about that there were three of them, and even some traditions actually give them names as well. But there were probably more than three of them, and they probably came with a big entourage too. People to help them, people to serve them. So these were, these were men who had plenty of means, and they had plenty of, um, plenty of uh, motivation to stay right where they, are, they were and to live their comfortable existence, but they chose instead to go. They saw something here that was um, uh, more important than their own, uh, uh, their own kind of way of life, and that was to go and to worship the king of the Jews. I think for us, um, it could mean that, um, that we need to go places too. <laughs> Maybe we need to physically go to places where, the, where things are dark. Physically go to places where there is no light. Um, that's, what, that's what our missionaries do. Um, that's what Christians have been doing for now centuries. That's certainly what the wise men did. And that's certainly what Jesus told us to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And then he said to his, his disciples later, you will be my witnesses. In not only in Jerusalem, but also all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost ends of the earth. I wonder if the message that we're supposed to hear about worship is a message that we are to go. John Piper said this, Missions exist because worship doesn't. Because there are people who don't worship. They don't worship God. And that's why missions exist. To give them the light so that they can become worshipers themselves. It could, be, it could also mean that we need to go in spiritual and maybe metaphorical senses too. We need to go to God's word. We need to go to Him in prayer. We need to be seekers of God. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. Right? Maybe we need to go to our Word, the Word of God, and see God there, and meet Him there, and worship Him there. In 2015, um, We've got a challenge ahead of us. And every week it's going to be printed in the bulletin. It's not a very bold challenge. It's just, it's there. 
And we want to remind you of it. And we put it on social media as well. Read through the Bible with us. There's a, there's a Bible reading plan. Go to God's Word. Go, go to God's Word in that plan. Dwell in God's Word this year. In 2015. Dwell. Make your home in God's Word. Seek Him there. Find truth. Find meaning. Find purpose. Find direction. I imagine the Magi poured over scrolls. They poured over writings. They probably understood many portions of what we have in Scripture um, better than maybe we do because they sought it over and over and looked for it diligently. They went. They, they came to worship by going. Now look what Herod says. The story, jump back into the story. They come to Jerusalem and they say, where is this, where is this uh, one that was born king of the Jews? There's a new king that was born and we've come to worship him. And they came to the right place for a king, right? They came to Jerusalem. They came to the capital city. We know that there, there must be a king here. Where is he? Somebody, somebody help us out here. So Herod hears of this, meaning that the, the Magi probably didn't come directly to Herod, probably didn't knock on the palace door and say, hey, can we talk with the king? Did he have a child? Well, yes. Herod actually had several children, um, many of whom he killed, many of whom he put to death because he was afraid of what they would become. He was afraid that they would usurp his throne. So, when Herod hears that the Magi are looking for a king, what, he's, what is he thinking? A usurper has been born? I don't think so. So, it says he was troubled. <laughs> Which I think is a, a, a nice way of, of saying, um, Herod's about to go off. So, Jerusalem, is all, they're all troubled with him. And so he brought the chief priests and the scribes together and said, okay, so where is this king supposed to be born? So what does the, what does the, the Bible have to say about this? Well, they said it's in Bethlehem because the prophet Micah, you heard Bill read that passage of scripture earlier, because the prophet Micah prophesied that, that the Savior would be born, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and, um, and that he would be a, a ruler, a shepherd of the people. So what does Herod do? Brings them together. So when, when exactly did this um, did this star appear? Um, how long ago was this? Uh, when? Let's figure out, when was this child born? Now, you go and search for him. Continue your search. I, I approve of you seeking. I approve of you searching and going. Um, you do that because I want to come and worship him too. I want to come worship him too. I think that could be a whole nother sermon. <laughs> False worship. Um, how easy it is, is it for us to have these motivations to claims of worship when our heart is fully self-centered, fully motivated by our own interests, 
Well, they listened to the king and they went. They continued searching. They continued seeking. And look what happens when they see the fulfillment of their journey, when they see the end, when they see the star and where it comes to rest and they realize this is where we need to be. They're rejoicing exceedingly with great joy. The challenge for us there at verse 10, as we read that, is to participate with the Magi to come and worship Jesus by rejoicing. Or another way is by, by having great joy. What are the things in your life that bring you joy? What are the things in your life that bring you joy? We just had Christmas, right? That's supposed to be a joyful time. The traditions, we experience those, those traditions. Um, Christmas night was when um, Cheryl and I and the girls all had our little gift-giving present exchange um, ceremony, right? Okay, one at a time, and in between each gift, you have to say something nice about the others, and we'll intersperse it with scripture readings and prayers and testimonies. No, we didn't really do that, but I thought about it. I thought about it. We did our gift giving, and the girls were so joyful. They're so excited. It was so awesome to open the gifts and to see what they were, and a new sweater. It's a sweater. Um, there are some exciting moments. There's joy in those moments. And that's good. What gives your life joy? Because we know Christmas only comes once a year. We only experience that joy one time, unless we're lucky enough to have 12 days of Christmas. When we get to the Lords of Leaping, let me know, because I want to get that on my smartphone. Or the Maids of Milking. So... That should go viral. Um, we, but Christmas is, is a one-time event. What gives our life joy? What are the things that, that we're seeking for joy? Are we finding it in those things? I think there are... Boy, I, I can go all the, all the way around the room and if, if you were willing to share out loud, you could tell me this is something that I find joy in. And every one of us have those things that we find joy in that are, made, that are good things. Well, some of them maybe we find, some of us may find joy in things that we shouldn't find joy in. Find pleasure in things that we shouldn't find pleasure in. But they're not Jesus. They're not God's Son. God wants us to have joy in life and He wants us to experience joy in all of the good things that He gives us because they come from Him. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. But our challenge should be, where is our joy focused? Because oftentimes there's something going on something that we're pursuing day in and day out that is not Jesus, that's not God, that we're seeking to fill that joy void in our lives. 
the challenge for us is to come and worship Jesus with exceedingly great joy. That's our challenge. When we come to him and we find him and we experience him in the day in and day out, in the normal everyday life and sometimes in the exceptional, we find that joy that can never ever be taken away. C.S. Lewis wrote, wrote this about joy. He, in fact, he wrote a whole book about joy. Surprised by joy. There was the shape of his early life. How his early life was, was the seeking after this elusive quality that he just couldn't quite touch this longing that he would experience in these certain, certain experiences of life. And he, just, and he realized that that longing was joy. But it was always fleeting until he found his joy complete in Jesus. Come and worship Jesus by rejoicing in him. Finally, come and worship Jesus by giving. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. There it is. They worshipped him. Notice their posture. They fell down. Worship, in the, in the biblical sense, was prostration. Was humbling yourself before another that you are giving worth to. Subscribing worth and honor and glory to this one that was greater than you. Here, these, these important men, these men of influence, these wealthy men, these wise men or kings even, fell down on their knees and they worshipped a child. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. They offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, these three gifts. Some, some have tried to, to find some symbolism in these gifts. Gold is a gift of royalty. It symbolizes royalty. That They recognize that this, this baby or this child, probably more than a baby, um, maybe even up to a year or two old at this time, um, depending on how the chronology worked out exactly. But this child, they recognize as royalty. The king, the king of the Jews, the one who would save the Jewish people. They recognize that and offer him gold. Perhaps frankincense. This is the kind of incense that would have been, that would have been burned in the temple. They would have used that as, a, as an aroma in the temple, recognizing the deity of the, recognizing the deity of the child. So perhaps frankincense uh, represented um, Jesus' deity. He's not only just king, but he's also this God in the flesh. And then myrrh um, was another another type of uh, a scent, uh, a fragrance that was used. At that time, and it was often used for, for burial. 
They would prepare a body with myrrh, spices, and then they would bury the body. So perhaps, perhaps this gift of myrrh was given in a foreshadowing of, of Jesus' own death and his own burial. Perhaps. Or perhaps these were just really nice gifts. <laughs> these were the kind of gifts that you would give somebody who was born king of the Jews. Somebody who deserved gifts like this. So when we come and worship Jesus with giving, what do we give? What do we give? I, I would argue that the wise men probably had more gold in reserve. They probably didn't give all of their gold. They probably didn't give all of their frankincense. They probably didn't give all of their myrrh. Perhaps they did. And they probably could have acquired more of it. It's not as if they sold all their possessions and gave it all to the poor. It's not as if they were the widow who gave her last two little coins. But they gave him the best. They gave Jesus the best. Because they recognized that here was somebody who was worth receiving the best. Come and worship with giving. I think it means more than just a, a collection um, in the offering box. And I think you guys know that. I think it, it means more than um, a once a year missions offering or, you know, a charitable giving, World Vision, Love Inc., Helping Hands for Christ. Those are all good things. What I think God wants us to give to Him in worship is the best. At all times. I'm challenged by that myself. Because I think my worship is lacking a lot. That I don't give Jesus my best at all times. Sometimes what I give Jesus is my leftovers my leftover time, my leftover energy. There are a lot of other important things I got going on, God. And so then I go to him and I say, God, I need your help with this. Can you help me out? And I think God is like a father who, um, whose maybe his children are always coming to him with problems with their smartphones. But they don't want to come to their father just to say, I love you, Dad. I want to be with you. That's not my girls. My girls aren't like that. They, they love me, and I know they want to be with me. <laughs> but I think a lot of times, that's what we do with God. We go to Him with our needs, and we say, God, I need your help with this. Help me. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. And He's just saying, would you, would you stop being like Martha, worried about many things? And just slow down and take some time to just spend with me. Come and read my word. The, 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 the word that I, that it, it took me um, 1,500 plus years to write. 
and then another few hundred years to put together in a final form, and then another uh, 1,500 years before it showed up in, in English so that you could actually read it. Spend some time with me. But instead, we, um, we prioritize our own, our own pursuits. The invitation of this passage is to, like the, the Magi, like the wise men, come and worship Him. Go to Him. Go to where He's sending you. Rejoice. Take joy in Him above everything else. And give everything that you have for Him and to Him. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. There was a way they could have gone. <laughs> but they spent some time with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. And then received the discernment and the wisdom for the next step in the journey. The next phase of their lives. Whatever happened to the Magi? Whatever became of them? I don't know. Did they ever come to know Christ in a saving way? I don't know. I don't know that answer, but I do know this. We have it. We have the message. We have the full revelation. And we don't have any excuses. Perhaps the Magi did in some way, but we don't. Come and worship. That's our invitation. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word to us and I thank you for the challenge it is for my own life. And I, uh, I admit that I fall short every day. I do not seek you like I should. I, I, often, I often concern myself with what I'm going to wear, where I'm going to sleep, what I'm going to eat, uh, when what you're asking me to, is to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. God, I often choose comfort over going to do your will and what you've called me to do. God, I often I often choose to uh, find joy and pleasure in and other things, and I, I miss um, the lasting and um, never unsatisfying joy that is in you. God, you always, you always bring satisfaction to my soul. Lord, I pray that you will transform my heart, help me to worship you new. And, and in fresh ways um, this day and this week. God, in this coming year, 2015, I'm so looking forward to a fresh start, a fresh calendar. And so, God, I ask that you will take me into it as a worshiper, somebody who's giving you 
the glory and the honor that is due your name. You are our King and you are our Savior, God. And you deserve everything. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, we are going to... Do we have a song? Okay. We are going to um, stand and stand with me and, and sing. And this will be our song of response. And I just invite you to respond in whatever way God may have for you. Um, perhaps you want to come forward and just pray with me. Um, if there's something on your heart, something on your mind, and in a way I can encourage you, I, I want to know that. I want to be able to, to lift you up. Um, is there some other decision that you feel like you need to make? Maybe make public. And this is, a, this is our family. And so we share those. We want to share those and, and be able to encourage each other in them. Um, I don't know what kind of decision you want to make um, about how you need to come and worship, but the Holy Spirit knows and um, listen to Him and respond. Let's stand together.